Warning, Serious Business is a podcast about Homestuck. Now with seven more layers of meta. I'm talking about Homestuck again. <laughs> MCR is back. I'm David still Tennant's on Tumblr. Doctor Who again. Like, David Tennant's Doctor Who. Like, what the fuck? Is it? <laughs> and Supernatural starting again? <laughs> oh, fuck me. You, you know what this means, right? You know what this means. The housing market will eventually crash? I was going to say uh, Sherlock season five, but... No. Uh, oh, no, absolutely. that's even how, worse. How dare you speak that into existence? <laughs> All right, let's get this show on the road. Uh, hello, and welcome to Serious Business, uh, a podcast about troll romance. Uh, my name is Sam. My pronouns are he and him. And I would just like to say that I think Steve Jinx and Claudia Donovan are Moirails. <laughs> That was broadcasted to me specifically, and I appreciate it. Warehouse 13 was a good show, and it should have been Warehouse gayer. 13 was a good fucking show. It was a pretty yes. gay show. For it was a decently gay show. Could have been gay. Five? Could have been gayer. Uh, hello. My name is Samariel. Some folks call me Sam. Some folks call me Ari. My pronouns are they, them. And f- for me to participate in this bit, I have to first understand it, which I, despite... Getting hit with the tutorial twice, still nothing. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If you were reading the book, you could have been hit with it three times. (laughs) Oh, boy. What a delight. And I'm Bastion. My pronouns are he and they. And I think uh, that Mary and Pippin serve as auspices for Aragorn and Boromir jointly, which doesn't really work, but go with me here. It works. It works. No, I'm accepting it. Troll romance is weird enough. I'm sure it's happened. If you try to work hobbits into it, too, I'm sure it only gets more and more complicated. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to bring up the um, George R. R. Martin can't imagine hobbits fucking quote. Yeah. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sam Gamgee had like 46 children. What the fuck are you talking about, George? <laughs> yeah, George, that's a you problem. <laughs> Samwise yeah, Gamgee really? fucks. <laughs> Samwise Gamgee canonically fucks. Um, before we get too far, I, I didn't know if we would touch back on, uh, shit with, uh, Vriska and Tavros in this section, so I thought maybe there would have been a way to slide this in easily, uh, but there is not. So I'm just gonna fucking read the Discord messages that I sent you guys the other day, um, because I had more Peter Pan thoughts, because I have COVID and have been in quarantine, and the way I deal with my problems is I watch movies and I drink. Thank you, Tyrion Lannister. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite movies, like, ever, is the 2003 Peter Pan. And so I watched it, and I got drunk, and then I had to pause it, because while I was watching it, I started having Homestuck thoughts, and I needed to text them immediately. So I'm just going to straight up read what I wrote. Wait, shit, I have more Peter Pan re-Vriska thoughts. Because Peter Pan, I don't know if it properly qualifies as a buildings roman. It's almost the anti-buildings roman, where it's growth just through the eventual outgrowing of childhood. People leave Neverland not because of the horrible hardships they've gone through. They leave Neverland because they realize they can't stay there. They need to grow up. Peter Pan is this figure of the eternal child. The fucking opening line is, all children except one grow up. So to have Tavros playing as this Peter Pan character, this eternal child, this caricature of permanent innocence, and juxtapose that with Vriska, who has a robot arm kind of akin to maybe one mm, Captain Hook, is like forcibly trying to make this character grow up, albeit sort of facetiously. In playing sort of into his fantasy, the dress, the we need to find your shadow, but making it a torment, she's doing the same thing she was doing earlier. She's using growth as a means of torment. Like, Peter Pan's whole thing is, I'll never grow up, no one can catch me and make me a man. Peter is the leader of the Lost Boys, and in the novel, he's the one who dictates how their games work. They follow his fantasy. And to Peter, those fantasies become real. That's how far down his own rabbit hole he is. Peter didn't want to grow up because he didn't want someone to tell him what to do. He wanted always to be a little boy forever and to always have fun. So it's interesting that Tavros' character is so in that particular vein and so frequently pitted against a literal controller like Vriska. 
I can't perfectly draw the line between Vriska and Captain Hook because Hook was really only after Peter because vengeance and he's sort of the embodiment of growing up, which Vriska is not. She's sort of a horrible mashup of Tinkerbell and Hook, but Hook's happy thoughts were tormenting Peter and ruining his life, which are kind of Vriska's too at Tavros. Anyway, I'm in a corgi onesie drinking bourbon and watching the 2003 Peter Pan, uh, <laughs> to which Sam responded with, Sparkle emoji and a fairy emoji. Seems the most appropriate. And that was the only response I got back. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Anyways. That's why I responded Thank with you. two emojis. Uh, while we're catching up on things we missed from the last episode, uh, etymology of Kanaya's name. Oh. The name Kanaya was suggested by forum user Nebulim. Maryam was suggested by user Goggles8. Uh, the name comes from the Sanskrit counterpart of Virgo, which is Kanya, and Mariam is the Arabic name for Mary, as in the Virgin Mary. Uh, Maria is also the name oh. of Dracula's daughter, Countess Maria Zaleska. Dra- in Dracula's Daughter, the uh, film. The, the film, okay. Uh-huh. Which uh-huh. is a lesbian. That film, that yes, so that is the from sequel 1931. film to the original 1931 Dracula um which is the most like lesbian film it's it's almost a an adaptation of camilla uh, almost um because she's so predatory but only towards other women like that that film was like heavily censored when it first like was getting made they were like you have to tone this down (laughs) this is way too gay Wikipedia is telling me that the film is ostensibly based on a deleted chapter from Bram Stoker's 19 or 1897 novel Dracula, published in 1914 as a short story under the name Dracula's Guest. But the film bears no resemblance to the source material. Yeah, that if sounds about right. The original Dracula. If it's then I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bastion. My blurbo Jonathan Harker. I hope his vacation's going well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now... Back to the present. Yes. Troll romance. So go ahead, Sam, and uh, explain troll romance to us. God. No. God. This whole... I don't know if it's like my ADD, if it's COVID brain or what. I just... My eyes start to read this and they just glaze over and I click next. Um, So the two that make the most immediate sense is... Just a regular romance, which is the <clears throat> excuse me, which is described as like the red romance. Mm-hmm. So yep, yeah, you got it. Yeah, got yeah, yeah. One. So to, for for those, if you're listening to this but you don't read Homestuck, I'm not sure who you are, but I guess this is for you. It's James. It's, it's James. James. <laughs> Hi, James. Hi, James. There are like four possible versions of troll romance. Uh, and they're all denoted by different uh, card suits. So there's the heart, the diamond, the spade, and the club. Um, they've got different terms. Uh, the The different quadrants depend on the feelings regarding the other person. And the the thing that I found the most interesting about this was that, like, in in our sort of understanding of romance, you have, like, the one person that you're trying to find... And with trolls, you want to fulfill all four of these different roles with people. And that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so the heart is the the red, just red romance, which is just a regular straight up romance. There's, um, I believe, the, is the diamond the Moira? Moira? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is Moirail. just like, that's like your platonic friend ideal. Like, this is my like friend buddy person who I trust and help. We are not romantic towards each other in any way. Um, And then the spade romance, which is like the black romance that we've talked about previously. That is, I hate you so much. (laughs) You fucking suck. You are my enemy. Like, but like, it's intense hatred to the point of infatuation in a bonkers way. And then there's the club one, which I don't get. Yeah. Because it seems to be like it's kind of spade-y. It's kind of black. But then there's like a third person who tries to help to like keep you from fully being hated at each other. And so it it doesn't make a ton of sense. But 
Yeah, that is my general I'm, understanding. You got of it. You got lore. him. You got him. Yay, gold sticker. I, I mean, first off, the uh, the way Wirtman starts the commentary on this page is whoa, caught in a troll romance, um, and I do very much appreciate that. Stupid. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> Uh, that was that was of the era too, wasn't it? Because this is what two thousand nine. I guess it was. Uh, yeah. Bad romance come out. Yeah, we're in two thousand. Nope, we're in two thousand ten now. Well, yeah, bad romance in... came out in two thousand nine, so that tracks. Okay. Gaga was yeah. at so, full power. Um, this first page has a border on it, which immediately evokes like fanciness and formality. Um. And then none of the like following page, yeah, none of the following pages have that, which is a little kind of disappointing to me because it is very much like a, the prose here, it feels almost like Doc Scratch prose. It's not quite to that level of like, mm. I know things and you don't, but it is very like sort of condescending, sort of like, I am going to talk down to you and explain this. Now before we move on too quick the border is evoking something specific within homestuck which is the etiquette manuals yes this is from the troll etiquette manual that the denizens presumably have the exiles yeah yes Yes, thank you exiles because that's what it was and i wasn't able to catch that so thank you i only just got it because i was paying attention now (laughs) that's good the second panel is evocative of Nepeta's cave drawings, so it's like evocating her shipping walls. Great. Mm. Um, and then from there we go into like explaining each quadrant one page at a time. And the one thing one thing I do like about this is that each quadrant is explained with a relationship that we have already seen in comic, which helps people to understand mm-hmm. because we've met these characters, we understand their relationships with each other somewhat. Uh, for some of the later ones. But so the first one, it's the heart. It's the standard, like, human love. It's Mom Lalonde and Dad Egbert. Great. Just Easy to understand. Just sort of a reveal, sort of. A little bit. But also, sort of. also it, it fits well into our slot. This is the one that needs the least amount of explaining. Yeah. And that is the um, flushed quadrant. Uh, we then move on to the Caligonus quadrant, which is the spade. It's the it's the hate fucking, and the relationship on example here is the Jack and the Black Queen rivalry. Again, like this is the one that I think it, it most helps me to be like, oh, okay, I've seen that relationship. I've seen it twice now in the comic, both in the kids session and in the troll session. These two NPCs have a predisposition to be kismases to each other. Bastion's going to talk about vocab in a little bit. Yeah. Let's get all the words out there, and then we can talk vocab. Yeah. So uh, then we get into a little bit of a like sidebar. Well, because we've we've completed one half of this chart, which is the yes. concupiscent section. So this is the uh, those two are the ones that actually matter for troll reproduction, um, and uh, occasionally the imperial drone shows up at your door with the two buckets. Um, buckets became a thing. Um, I'm very glad Hussey did not get into actually how, you know, like the the babies get made. Oh, but uh, you didn't read the Hussey commentary, did you? No, I did not. Please don't tell me about this one. I will not. It's not canon Uh-oh. anyway, so it's fine. I feel like if Hussey gets into it in the commentary, then the point is like, ah, yes, like I'm going to be facetious at you now. Right. Like no explanation is ever actually going to make sense. Anyway, the drones show up at your door, and you better have the genetic material to fill the buckets. And if you don't, you probably die. It's Alternia. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not probably. It's if you have nothing to offer, he will kill you without hesitation. Great, <laughs> yeah. love it. Love it when the government says you have to be pregnant. Um, I, I mean, I know we're trying to be topical, but. Uh, <laughs> It, the, the the slurry goes to the grub because they're yeah, insects. Yeah, I know, they're I know. insects, Whatever. but yes. We then go to the Ashen Quadrant. This is the club. Uh, our example relationship here is Vriska and Tavros and Kanaya. 
where Kanaya is mediating between Friska and Tavros. Uh, the line is, Since such lesser feuds are quite common among trolls, there is a significant need for ospitizing parties. Without them, too many ashen feuds would become colligonous and begin to conflict with other exclusive kismasist relationships, leading to a great deal of social complexity and sore feelings. Without ospitism, the result would be widespread black infidelity. And then we oh get a, a page about quadrant vacillation. This gif hurts my eyes, and I don't Bash, like it. you want to explain quadrant vacillation? Uh, yeah, sometimes you feel different ways about different people, and for people with a rigid understanding of a romantic system, this poses uh, problems when those quadrants are supposed to be distinct and separate and filled by separate people, which means it's maybe not a very good <laughs> system, actually. What? Yeah. Accurate. So the example here is that Aradia and Equius. Like, they hate each other, but also they like each other. So then it flashes between the heart and the spade. It is uh, very hard on the eyes. Sure is. It's. And then we get the next page, which is uh, the same thing with uh, Vriska and Tavros, but with Kanaya joining. So it goes heart, spade, club, spade, heart. Also hurts. And then we have the pale quadrant, which is Equius and Nepeta. Hashtag besties. It's hashtag besties with the qualification that generally one of them is like pacifying the others and with nepeta and equius it's not super clear which one of them is actually the pacifying party and which one is the one that's like providing emotional support Mm -hmm. um because i think they both kind of pacify each other in some ways uh and you know that's that's the kind of friendships you want you want friends who you can support and friends who make you a better person and support you exactly um yeah and then we get the note that um even though there are four types of relationships here and only two are used in troll reproduction, these second two, the club and the diamond, are just as important to troll propagation because otherwise trolls would all kill each other. Yeah. So, remember, uh, welcome to Alternia. The the other side is the conciliatory side, which is a, a nice pair to concupiscent. Um, so now that we have all these uh, words out, um, most of them are English words. Uh, which might be surprising because they all sound alien as hell. But Caligonus uh, is dark and misty from uh, Latin. Um, Concupiscent is lustful or sensual. Um, And even the words that are made up, like matesprit, kismesis, auspistus, and moirail, uh, are combinations of English words. So mate spirit is mate and spirit, straightforward. Kismesis is kismet and nemesis. Uh, kismet is like fate. Um, yeah. yeah. So a, like a fated nemesis. Uh, kismesis is very anime, actually. Oh, super. Auspices is um, auspice or auspices, um, which is either protection or um, it's also a form of divination using birds, um, but it's also where we get auspicious from. Uh, Moriel is, I think, my best guess is moral and ally, because it's more allegiance um, is the full terminology. Mm. Um, moral is maybe a stretch there. I don't know. But all of this just to say that like the language used here in the world building is done very well to make the concepts make sense linguistically once you know what they mean. And even if you don't know what they mean, they sound like real English words. And that's because they're portmanteaus. Um, The narrative then attempts to shift to our final two trolls. And then, of course, uh, we get the, wait, more troll romance exposition, please. Uh, And then there's uh, more... Uh, we get a sighting of uh, John a little bit, and then we get the troll serendipity shot, and we find out that each troll is looking for another to fill each of their quadrants, um, which seems really kind of weird to me. Specifically, I also think um, Wortman says, like, um, this seems very cut and dry for romance, which is not really cut and dry at all if you think about, like, it. And... I think it's probably easier to think about this as like a four quadrant like graphing table than like a separate square boxes, right? Like they are related to each other in different ways and there's like, it's more of a spectrum than like 
fast and hard is what I'm trying to say. I yeah, I definitely think that's one way to sure. read it, um, and not to like. I, I think what's being presented here is more of the um, social narrative that the trolls have. Uh, yeah, of what is expected, right? Like this is the expected path that a troll's life should take. Mm-hmm. That is being explained, like because like mm. they do the same thing with whenever they're talking about the flushed quadrant. They're like, this is simple and like normal, and it's the exactly the same as human romance, simple and normal. Which like mm. obviously, yeah. obviously. Absolutely is not the case like adding complication mm-hmm. yeah yeah and pretending it's simple yeah. is not going to result in less complication i i do really like that well because you know as we've seen alternian society is so inherently violent i like that they have socially built in all right you need at least one friend okay you need one person <laughs> who you will not try to kill <laughs> i should also say that um the Wortman commentary is more about like the fandom immediately latched onto these as like hard and fast for defining the relationships in Homestuck. Um, of course. And that's kind of completely ignoring the point of this section. Like that's what happens with Homestuck is a lot like Hussey's like, here is a thing. These are the rules. And immediately people are like, yes, we're going to accept this at face value. This is what this means. And not like, Hey, is this poking fun of anything? And, and I do think this is a little bit like, yes, this might be like the narrative that troll kids are, are told or whatever. But I also think that like, this is not meant to be taken super seriously, right? This is meant to be taken a little bit as a joke. And that will become clear because Hussey will then use it to troll us. With the exception of like, thick, I think that's largely what it was taken as. Um, okay. With the exception being, because... We had a little section in here about like an ace reading of the troll romance system, so I do yeah. want to talk about that a little bit because it did get me thinking. Like the one section that I think gained the most, and like Hussey in their commentary um, says um, it as well, is more allegiance, right? The like platonic mm-hmm. BFF on a romantic level, and like I, I was thinking about this, and it occurred to me that like. If the, like, Homestuck cringe backlash hadn't overlapped with, like, the start of Ace Discourse, Mori Legions might have breached captivity. Like, QPR, oh, yeah. queer platonic romance is A, not fun to say, and, like, B, mm. like, was not fully accepted because, like, Plato, like, platonic is yeah. not, like, great, um, and the other alternatives at the time were also not ideal. Um, like, I, I really think it had a shot, and it was also the one that the fandom latched onto and, like, leaked into real life yeah. the most. Um, stepping back a bit, like, doing an ace reading of this, on the one hand, like, from a doilist perspective, I really obviously like the placing of platonic relationships on a level with romantic relationships yeah. but from a watsonian level hey like it's not a choice between like it's all of these are supposed to be filled which like that seems yeah. like a major hassle like that's such a time commitment to have like five different people that you're supposed to be like attending to like romance romance level relationships with like that's oh and also like as this very rigid narrative, which is how I interpreted this, like it's a way more restrictive system, which like human romance from an ace perspective is also a like overly restrictive system. So adding three new categories onto it, not not maybe ideal, but like from a writing perspective, placing platonic relationships, very cool. Um, also, uh a another like fandom note like because now we're getting close to the point at which well sort of close at which i was actually Mm -hmm. doing things um this is the point in time where like ships and shipping are at like peak and so potential 
ship numbers are things that are calculated and so like mm. i i remember like the like breakdown one piece has the most possible ships but then like homesuck is like yeah okay but like all of our characters we can ship four ways now so this was like a revolutionary breakthrough in shipping right. technology i have also seen like uh so allison lures is like a world builder and an actual like creative person that works on uh works for wizards of the coast and and magic the gathering and a while back she had a twitter thread about how like these quadrants are actually a very good way to keep track of how your characters are relating to each other even if you're not like if you're writing for things that are not homestuck fix like these are great ways to keep track of like the sort of relationships that your characters have with each other even if they're not thought of as romantic relationships and i mean stepping back again like the obvious thing that this is doing here aside from maybe teasing the audience a little is like preparing us for drama right this is all for oh, the yeah. purpose of like mm-hmm. the high oh, yeah. like oh, drama, yeah. drama machine because now we have all of these different relationships that all can have the possibility of conflicting with each other or not aligning in some way and like you get that like teen drama to the max <laughs> we got two new trolls. We transitioned to them because they are in the diamond Yay! quadrant together. They moy rails. Or, you know, not great ones, actually. They're moy um, rails for now. I mean, they won't See be by the end of the session, but for now. Nope. So we do a introduction of two trolls at once. Um, we have here Iridan Ampora and Feferi Pisces. Um, they are the Aquarius and Pisces trolls. They're the sea dwellers. They're the last ones. Iridan is riding his seahorse dad with a gun that we have seen before. In yes. the air. You know where this? You know where we've seen this gun before, Sam? Oh, isn't this Jade's super gun? Yeah, this is the gun the bunny had. Mm-hmm. It's called Ahab's crosshairs. We know, and then he shoots a white whale with it. Hey, Moby Dick, baby! <laughs> he did what? Fucking took the entirety of Moby Dick to not do. Also, how are we saying Aridan? Aridan, Iridan. Uh, all right. Any idea uh, why Aridan might be flying? Well, I I have a thing. Uh, because I uh have the astrology sheet up. Because it's an air uh, sign. Because Aquarius is an air sign. Ah. Yep. Is that it? That's it. That's that actually a thing. That's in the Hussy commentary. Yeah, so oh, okay, so cool. so if uh, if I may, welcome back to astrology with Ari, your favorite uh, bit in this whole show, Aquarius. This is me. You're talking about me. <laughs> My condolences. You're talking about me. Um, but yeah. yeah oh know, wait, right? you're an Aquarius. I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, no, Aquarius is an air sign. It is not a water sign at all. I, I I was a little surprised when I did that research, and it was the first thing I wrote down in the sheet. I was just like, ah, hold on. Um. Here's the little blurb. Independent and enigmatical, Aquarians are unique. There is no one quite like an Aquarius, and because each is so incredibly individual, it can be tough to describe them as a group. Aquarians don't like labels and may shy away from any adjective, even the good ones you might bestow upon them. Which is the most nothing Zodiac ever. Yeah, She's sure like, is. oh, they're something. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> God damn it, you useless piece of nothing. Like, all Zodiacs are bullshit, we know this, but this is especially bullshit. So, uh, some little notes that I took just off the page. Uh, Aquarius's don't get stressed. They just don't get stressed, apparently. Not true. I, I can tell you, absolutely not true. <laughs> uh, Aquarius's also have an artistic mind. And then the line that they followed it up with was, other people see a painting and enjoy it. You understand it. I, I mean, I was a media studies major. What do you want? <laughs> uh, anyways, I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, and then the last line. <laughs> you make cool look effortless. Because for you, it is. You do what you like with confidence. And people take notice. And I was like. Is that a positive thing or a negative thing? I mean, if you feel confident in who you are, go nuts, baby. 
I just felt like this horoscope page was maybe being weirdly kind of horny at Aquarius's. Anyways, that's all I have about Aquarius's. Um, because it is so nothing, I I struggle to apply it to shit. What's this guy's name again? I already forgot it. Aridan? Aridian? He's a nothing character. You should hate him, and he's a bastard. <laughs> I mean... All right. All right. Good, good to he know. He <laughs> is. What do you want? He's an angsty teen. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, then we meet uh, Faferi Pesci's. Which is how I'm pronouncing that. I've decided. She cute as hell. She takes the body of the dead whale, and then she takes it into the deep, deep, and she feeds this Lucis to her Lucis, which is uh, as a giant the panels were going being. on. I was like, please let her Lucis be the kraken. Please let her Lucis be the kraken. Please let her Lucis be the kraken. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, on page twenty four thirty five, there is another arm which is uh, at the top of one of her tentacles, and it is the same color as one of her tentacles, so you might miss it, which I think is the point. Yeah, yeah, we are at the point now where the arms are in the books. The arms have been in the books the whole time. Uh, oh! Not in the Tapatico books. Um, and then the line is, Feferi, go home, and, and it's that should keep her quiet for a while, at least until she dies. Remember, Feferi is the person to whom Kanaya said, I wonder if any other kid on this planet has as many burdens in the fire as you do. Uh, and Aridan uh, goes home, and, and the line is, that should keep her happy for a while and make a freshly orphaned troll somewhere pretty sad. And then we get their intro pages, but first, uh, let's do the Pisces bit. Oh, Pisces. All right. Uh, so Pisces is a water sign. Yeah. So Pisces runs from February 19 to March 20. Uh, <clears throat> smart, creative, and deeply intuitive, Pisces can be close to psychic. Pisces feel things deeply and have incredibly strong gut reactions. A Pisces knows things. They have quotation marks around knows things. So, uh, anyways, a Pisces knows things from deep within and can often judge whether a person or situation is good or bad. That doesn't mean a Pisces ignores their lo- the logical part of their brain, though. Deeply intelligent, Pisces have a profound respect for the power of the human mind. And then this is the legitimate last sentence of this paragraph. Is it a surprise that Albert Einstein was a Pisces? I don't know. Is it? Uh, Sure. I don't know. Zodiac means nothing. This is all nonsense. Um, And then the the sort of traits that I uh, managed to pull about Pisces, uh, they're listed as being sensitive. They're listed as being creative. And they're listed as having a strong moral compass, uh, and which I I I gloat and mock for how nothing those words are in uh, any context, uh, specifically the zodiac. But they do actually somewhat apply to Fafari. Is that legitimately her name? Fafari. Yeah. Fafari. Yeah. Is that how it's pronounced? Fafari. Fafari. Ah. Either way. This is one of the the times where I do kind of think the Zodiac does apply to the character. It doesn't happen a lot. A lot of these seem to be built against it. Um, But it actually decently does apply to her. Definitely with the whole, like, oh, close to psychic, when clearly she's, her Lusus is whispering shit to her. All right, yeah. Uh, Did you have etymology, Sam? Yes. Feferi was suggested by brackets X-Rock and brackets and Pesci's was suggested by Zuki. Her first name comes from Metasepia Feferi, a poisonous species of cuttlefish. Her last name is the Portuguese name for Pisces, as Yay. well as the Portuguese word for fish, plural, and can be pronounced Pesci's, citation needed. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. And have we already done Aridin? The name Eridan was suggested by Tenebraeus. His name be, may be derived from the river Eridanos, which was poured onto the earth by Aquarius in Greek myth. Uh, his first name read backwards is Nadair. A Nadair is a lowest point or a point of greatest adversity or despair. However, this could be a coincidence. Good on the Homestuck wiki for finally uh, saying something could be a coincidence when like half of the things under their etymology section are like pretty good reaches. Uh mm. And then uh, 
Amphora is likely derived from amphora, a type of Greek vessel for carrying liquids, which is often seen in depictions of Aquarius. Ampora means protection, citation needed, which could be ironic considering he does the exact opposite. Oh, and then the wiki goes further. Taking the first syllable of his first name and the last syllable of his last name gives Aripora, which sounds somewhat like Harry Potter, although that could be a coincidence. You reading them Harry Potter books? Reading them Harry <laughs> Potter books? <laughs> no, I, I did have the thought where he kind of looks like a shitty Harry Potter at one point. So that's no, yeah, that's that is a lovely stick. coincidence. That is very much intentional. Is that he looks like a shitty Harry Potter? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I see. He's even got the lightning bolt horns. He may have been slightly ahead of the curve on this one. How's yeah. <laughs> he not ahead of the curve on this one? All right. Now, now they're at home, and we get to meet him proper. Proper. Yay. Meet Mary, meet every part proper. Get that propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> I love that joke. What do we What do we learn about Aridin? Well, he's a genocide genocidal maniac who wants to kill all the land dwellers. Then that's about it. He also likes magic, except it's fake. Sorry. He also has a fascination for military history and legendary conquerors, which is exactly the type of guy I don't want to date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Aridin has a fascination with troll Rome in like the bad way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, he uh, crafts exaggerated emotional theatrics, and people tend to regard you as a bit of a tool. So he's a nice guy with air yeah, quotes, and we will That's get into it. that. That's him. Yes, we've broken Aridin down to his bare essentials. <laughs> he's a nice guy. Nice guy. Meanwhile, the cute one. She's got uh, sea maple hoofs. She's yeah, she the do. Specialist Disney princess in the whole world. She is. She. It's very Love much her. sort of jade vibes with the whole like mm. fairy monstrous fairy tale princess. Like it. It is definitely yes. like the. I'm. I'm sure we'll get into this, uh, but it's like the fairy tale princess who is sheltered and has a monstrous companion that jade has but kind of to the next level except um glib golub uh doesn't teleport everywhere it's just a guardian not a first guardian yeah actually i thought workman workman put it really well uh saying feathery is a disney princess in a lovecraft world um i love that uh we get the name of the troll empress here which is her imperious condescension i mean that's probably a title well, yeah, but it's the it's the name we get for her for this whole thing. So we we find out that there's only two fuchsia bloods, and Feferi is one of them. Uh, her imperious condescension is presumably the other one, and the text says that uh, the condescension would come back to Alternia and kill Feferi if not for the protection of Glibgolub. Uh, Glibgolub is the name of Herlusis, the eldritch monster. Uh, it's very clearly an eldritchification of uh, Glubglub. Yeah. It took me until this reading to get that. I don't know why. I only just got that now when you said it. Glubglub is uh, is an entity that we've encountered before in Homestuck. In yes. uh, Rose's grimoire of whatever, whatever. Grimoire of the zoologically dubious. Yes. The dark voices that told her to blow up her gate. Yes. Uh, Feferi... Once she rises to rule Alternia, she's gonna make it into. She's gonna make everyone happy. Um, culling is nice. no longer gonna mean killing everyone, but rather coddling them with kindness. Yeah. Uh, you also look forward to using your reign to unite the two races. You were told you would do this one day by your Lucis, even if it does contradict her message of extinction. Oh well, you suppose not all prophecies can be true. Attention, dear reader. The point here is Feferi thinks the two races are the sea dwellers and the land dwellers, but like, but like we got humans and trolls here. This is not a spoiler. Just look out for it. Uh, Feferi's also the one with the worst quirk. Yes, which we talked about last episode. Uh, back to Aridin's page for a second. Aridin, I think, is the first troll to explicitly have their quirk be reflective of their accent. Unless Solix maybe mm. also had that. Solix has a lisp. Okay. Yeah. The the second one then. Yeah. Uh, and then, then they chat with each other. Well, first they do something ridiculous. Yes. Hell yes. Hell fucking yes. It's very good. It's and very they bump. fun. Because they are pale soulmates. They were born for each other. This has been stressed. 
repeatedly. They ask each other about their crushes. Yeah. Um, That's it's made exceptionally yeah. clear that Eridan is a nice guy. He, he's got a flushed crush on Feferi, and she is uh, emotionally drained from talking to him. She does be, not. Because she's stopping him from being genocidal. And he's like, man, how come I'm in the friend zone, the Moirail zone? Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. The word Moirail zone is explicitly said in this section. Also, she asks him if there's anyone he has oh, a, like a, a flushed crush on, and she's like, that's none of your business. Should also be noted at this point that Aridin in Let's Read Homestuck was voiced by Octopimp, who is a person that had a lot of like very short Homestuck animated videos that went out around the time. So there you go. Aridin very nearly drinks a Fago. Turns out his fridge has a bunch of unbelievably shitty wands in it, which like a la Dave Strider. Feferi drinks a sugary drink, which is Tab, which we will remind you is a sugar-free drink. Was a sugar-free drink. And instead of blah, we get glub because she's underwater. Underwater. <laughs> I, I do like um, her weapon is Sidon's intente, but like the the psi is the Greek word letter for psi. I think that's probably entente. No, it's intent. What do you want? <laughs> intente. Sidon's entente. Uh, Aridin tries to bother Vriska and it turns out this point is when Vriska's killing her mom and he's like oh no she doesn't like me any- or she doesn't hate me anymore um, and he feels sorry for himself even though she's got like bigger things she's dealing with and then we find out Aridin and Vriska used to be in a spades relationship with each other and they were on a team for extreme role playing where when they beat people she would take the the kid trolls and feed them to spider mom and he would take their lucises luci and feed them to glibgolub and everyone would be happy except maybe for fairy well, yeah he would give them to fairy to feed to glibgolub cuz he spent maybe 7 days underwater in his life yeah. which is a, a gotcha that fairy throws at him which is a little strange actually very ironic given his genocidal tendencies. which is exactly the context in which she throws it at him she's like how why do you call yeah. yourself a sea dweller when oh yeah you spend so much time on land and he's oh, like yeah. i gotta be fucking watching these people like it's normal it's fine i don't like these people mm. bitch do you even swim do you, do you even swim bro bro do you even swim <laughs> <laughs> bro um, we also find out that Aridin got the Ahab's crosshairs on the same uh, sh- place as uh, Vriska got her dice. Oh, interesting. Oh, in in Feferi and Aridin's first conversation when they're talking about crushes, we get this uh, exchange between the two of them, which I just found delightful. Um, and it's and it's Aridin saying, I guess I'm not as good an adversary as I thought, to which Feferi says, that is so ridiculous. Any girl would be lucky to have a kismasis as diabolical as you, especially that one. Who knows what her problem is? She has issues, which is about Friska, but also it's like the, I really love the like, any girl would be lucky to have a guy like you, except it's like adversary. It's a very good, like a defining what a kismasis is because we've just gotten that, but B like, it's, oh, I just enjoy it. Also, they're talking about Vriska and her problems, which like good to hear people recognize that in the universe. But also they're talking about Vriska and her problems, uh, which Vriska would be happy about. Then we find out, why Feferi is feeding all of these Lucy to hers, despite being ostensibly a humane and ethical person. Uh, and it's because everybody would die otherwise. Why would everyone die otherwise? Uh, because if Glub Glub got hungry, uh, they would uh, Glub, and this would kill everybody. <laughs> yes, the vast Glub. Um, TLDR, if Glub Glub gets prototyped, that's real bad because it means even imps have the ability to make all trolls extinct. I'm sure that's fine. I'm. Sh- we won't come back to that again. Everything will be fine. Aridin reminisces about how easy it would be to kill all the land dwellers by just stopping feeding Lucida Glub Glub. Uh, and then he's like, but that would make Feferi sad and I can't deal with that. More emotions, more problems. 
Uh, and then we find out uh, very quickly here that Feferi is the witch of life and her planet is the land of dew and glass. Yeah, the, the land of dew and glass being a fucking fishbowl. <laughs> yes. It's very good. Yeah. Very good. Anyways, continue. And then now that she's in the medium, they chat and uh, they break up. In this conversation, essentially, uh, A, Feferi breaks up with Aridin and this is Moirail saying, like, now that there's only 12 trolls, you can't really make all the land dwellers go extinct. And uh, that's cool. So I don't need to hold you in. I don't need to pacify you anymore. And we're not Moirails. And he's like, that's cool. Do you want to be, like, in romance romance? And she's like, mm, nah, bruh. Uh, this is also the first conversation where uh, they drop the pretense, quote unquote, and uh, stop typing in their quirks, which Hussey fully admits is because they hate Feferi's quirk as much as we do, which appreciate it, bro. Uh, yeah, and this like this conversation is so <laughs> interesting, but also Preach. not Preach. special. I cannot believe you are doing the fish pun thing while you're breaking up with me right like but like she stops for a while though like she does she she lets him down easy he doesn't take it well like this is a very unremarkable conversation like you can find these conversations posted on the internet basically everywhere of like this fucking dude and then at the end, she brings the fish buns back as a, just like a, okay, we're we're done. Also, this conversation ends with her saying, Solix is in serious trouble and I have to go help him. Bye. And he ends with a sad glub. I don't know. I think the fact that they like got each other through the fish puns was cute while it lasted. I'm very glad it didn't last. Yeah, there is actually like a lot of work that's done in these conversations to like show that like, they do have a rapport and they do have like long relationship. Like they are communicating in a yeah. verbal or textual shorthand that like comes with a long relationship. It's also only two conversations. Like, yeah, but like they also make it clear that like it's very much not an equanimous relationship. Yeah. And then uh, Feferi swims up through her first gate, and the text says, you're free. And then we get our first character death in Homestuck. It, well, is it? No. It's not quite, because John. Uh, yes. John and I mean, Dave Sprite's timeline. Both John and Our first Dave alpha timeline died. character death, other than Aradia. I mean, our first in the present alpha timeline character death. So not our first character death. I love how we have to keep throwing these qualifications on here. Another person dies. Children die in this yeah. comic. Carcat uh, is, as the first person to enter, it was the one to bring Solux into the medium. Uh, Solux <laughs> being the last person to enter. And we get this whole like bit where, A, we find out the vast glove happened. All the trolls everywhere went extinct. Uh, and Solux got brought into the medium after this happened. Ergo, Solux is dead. And Karkat is the one, like, he's crying about this, but it's really sort of countered by the fact that Karkat has met up with Gamzee on Gamzee's planet, which we find out is the land of tents and mirth. It's very, like, carnival circus themed. And also Jack Noir is here. And so, like, yes, Karkat's having this genuine emotional moment, but also it's definitely undercut by what's going on around him. Like, I can practically hear the organ yeah. music, like the, the <laughs> carnival <laughs> calliope <laughs> organ music in the back. Exactly. It's definitely happening in the background yeah. here. The the panel where, like, Karkat is, like, crying, is he's just sobbing, and Jack is, like, patting his back, saying, there, there, you blubbering goddamn pansy. And then in, like, scribble art in the background is just Gamzee going honk. And it's... It's... it's You it's know what fucking... it is. It's the TikTok sound that's, like, um... Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you're. That is correct. That is correct. I'm so glad that I managed to get that across with absolutely zero context, other than it's a TikTok sound with three songs going. <laughs> Anyways, yes, it's over like this like 
genuine drama. Yeah. And then Aridin picks this moment to message Carcat, who doesn't pick up because Carcat is distraught over Solix's death. So Aridin messages Gamzee. And we get another delightful Gamzee conversation. I mean that genuinely. I, I really do like reading Gamzee conversations. Gamzee's great. The the first line of this conversation is Aridin saying, Gam, I need to talk to Carr. Where is he? He isn't answering. And and uh, Gamzee says, oh, he's busy being slapped motherfucking senseless by the guy who likes knives. And Gamzee's like, I can give you his message. And Aridin's like, I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, we find out from this conversation, Aridin and Carcat are like gossip buds. And I do actually really love that relationship for them. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It makes a certain amount of sense. They're both melodramatic. They're both very invested in troll romance. One on a theoretical level, one on a more practical level. Both have uh, superiority complexes. Yep. Uh, Gamzee tells Aridin to slam a fago, and uh, Aridin does, and we get a quick blah, and then the it's like an undercutting of that, and it's like, I mean, it's just soda, which like, Having drank Fago for most of the past few recordings we've done, I feel like it's accurate. Yeah. Also, we'll say vanilla cream soda, pretty good. Uh, And also the uh, 6040, which is the uh, Fago squirt, I do enjoy. It's not as citrusy as actual squirt, but it's pretty good. All right. Good. Uh, And then Feferi smooches Solix's dead body. Because she's going to do the fucking fairy tale thing of uh, true love's kiss. It saves the day. Exactly. And it, it, and it works. So she kisses a corpse. Fafiri kisses Solix's corpse. And then we get a page of Karkat seeing this. Uh, Gamzee falling over on a horn. And uh, Spade Slick, Jack Noir doing the double we, times we two facepalm combo. Solix on, it looks like, Durs waking up. Yeah. And then we get a page, someone looking at Carcat, looking at this kiss with the exile text, um, which we then find which out is The Spade exile Slick. text is, hey kid, never got a chance to say how much I hate you, every last one of you. Which honestly could be Carcat talking to himself. Carcat would have True. no way of telling the difference. I do want to point out, uh, we get a facepalm times... Uh, one combo where it's facepalm times two combo because but the two Spade is crossed Slick out is because missing Spade an arm. only oh, has one arm. Oh, I didn't get that joke. God damn it. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, fuck. And then we get a page of Hussey in Kanaya cosplay looking at Spade Slick, looking at Carcat, looking at Solix and Feferi. They say they've been chased uh, into an attic like the kid from The NeverEnding Story. There's a line which says, ugh, this troll paint is making a mess. This was such a bad idea, which seems like it was uh, aimed at con goers, though I cannot say when troll cosplay became a problem at cons. This would be early days of it, but. Probably when it started. (laughs) Yeah. Given given the, like, closet cosplay of Homestuck, like, it it did not take long, I assume, for body paint to become a problem. Mm, Fair. And then From we get the, the uh, command, MSPA, quick, become more meta while Andrew Hussey is still brooding. And we see the MSPA reader looking at Andrew Hussey in troll cosplay, looking at Spade's Slick, looking at Carcat, looking at Feferi smooching Solix's dead body. I hate it here. The MSPA reader is in the land of stumps and dismay, and all... At- MS Paint Adventures readers make a solemn vow to do an acrobatic fucking pirouette off of the stump and blow their brains out if it doesn't stop happening. If it doesn't stop, keep happening. If it doesn't stop, keep happening. You gotta preserve those grammatical inconsistencies. I do actually really enjoy Homestuck's grammatical inconsistencies, so thank you for correcting It is delightful. This is the most meta page in Homestuck. Yeah, we, we made it. Um, the, the, the author commentary here is actually interesting because this this page is in the jailbreak style which is a pre-homestuck mm, msp mm-hmm. adventure and hussey is like this is the first msp go adventure. looking for jailbreak or read it ever it is the most cursed tale i've ever written in my life which is saying something you you did write humanimals like you like you did oh. write that you did you did write muppet baby saw torture porn 
You did write that too. And then we get the wolf head. Bastion, can you explain the wolf head? Uh, the wolf head is from the never ending story. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. I mean, I only know that because it's in the author commentary, but that's the wolf great. from the never ending story. It's my greatest fear. I'm trapped in this attic like the kid from never ending story was. The kid was reading a long fantasy story in that attic as a framing device for the real story where a bunch of crazy stuff happened and a sad horse drowned in a swamp at some point. Also, as the kid kept reading, the lines between fiction and reality started blurring. So it was a similar kind of meta clusterfuck as Homestuck. Well, not really, but whatever. Except the guy in the attic in this case isn't reading the story that's coming to life and consuming his reality. He's writing it while throwing a big tantrum and screaming at the wolf head trophy. So that's why the never-ending story is a pretty apt mascot movie for the author insert layer of Homestuck which also does an incredible job of making readers suspect that its story quite possibly will never end. The never-ending story themes have a way of surfacing anytime I show up in Homestuck. Yeah, uh, Wortman mentions that the never-ending story, like Homestuck, takes place over multiple layers of reality and is concerned with the nature of fiction, authorship, and reading. Yeah, yeah. Hussey's trapped in this attic like the kid from the never-ending story. Hussey has an argument with readers here where, where the readers supposedly are like, all right, mate, come on, get on with the story. And Hussey's like, oh, my goodness, don't make me make Which, you read all the troll romance exposition again. This is a um, genuine complaint that readers are having at the time that Hussey talks about in the commentary. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The, the readers want to know what's happening with the kids, right? We've been talking about trolls yeah. for, like, fucking, I don't even know how long now. And it's like uh hey like you you left our boys uh you've you've abandoned our blorbos like i've abandoned my boy i've abandoned my boy <laughs> no which hussy is like and now this is the like keystone piece of homestuck so like whatever people say in the moment like yeah. let them say it I, I do think also there's a, a mention in on this page where Hussey's angry like with the readers facetiously, I guess, uh, of the F5 key, which I don't know if this is anymore, but the F5 key at the time was like the key you would use to refresh the page. Uh, and so in a lot of like Homestuck fandom stuff from the time, there's a there's a like you would always be refreshing MSPA because I don't think MSPA profit was the thing at the time. Uh, so at this point, there was absolutely no way of knowing when an update would drop. And so readers would just often have like MSPA up as a tab and then be like hitting the refresh button periodically through the day. And when you have nothing to do, you're just hitting the refresh button over and over, uh, which is why the F5 key gets mentioned here. And then uh, Hussey copy pastes all the troll romance bit onto the one page. Uh, and the master stroke of this actually comes in the author's commentary in the Viz Media books, because the commentary on this page where the troll romance section is repeated is the troll romance section for a third time. And it really oh drives God. home the meta joke of like, yeah, I can be benevolent, but also I can I can mess with you. Uh, it's definitely also, not like as the reader, my favorite gag from the author's commentary. Page, you jackass. Yeah, fair. But like just the the fact that I was like, mm, yeah, I wonder what the commentary is going to be on this for the second time. And I like flip to that page and then it's like, oh, no, it's the commentary a third time. Like, it's just good. Good bit. Still going to skip it. <laughs> Eventually we get on with it. Hussy, Hussy interlude over. Um, Spade Slick uh, is is Carcat's exile. <laughs> Spade Slick struggles to type while blood covers everything. It is interesting that uh, the uh, forward sign on the Trolls contact consoles is only equals equals when they have uh, six equals signs before the arrow. The, the equals equals is a house, and it's also for the kids. Uh, and then we get to Solux waking up on Durs. This is an important game mechanic that is revealed in the Trolls section of the game here. If you die and your dream self is alive, someone else on your team can kiss your dead dream self and then your consciousness gets put into your dream self and that becomes the new you. Oh. It's the extra life mechanic. And then we get a map of all of the 12 trolls and which moons they dream on, 
The blue team is Durst, as said before. The red team is Prospect. Curiously here, um, Solix has two dream selves. Obviously, he's the Gemini twin. His whole thing is that he's got two of everything. Um, and Aradia yeah, has Aradia no dream self. Yeah, Aradia doesn't have a dream self. Because presumably because she's, she's already dead. Dead. Bum. So. Then Kratos comes back. <laughs> Boy! <laughs> it's Club's Deuce. Boy, you there. Boy! It's Club's Deuce. Which, it's appropriate that Club's Deuce gets uh, Solix, because uh, Deuce means two. It's, it's, uh, and then we can see that Club's Deuce is watching this on the screen because we can see the like player text but also club's deuce is meeting solix on durse so there is a time loop happening here uh that club's yeah. deuce is trying to subvert uh by uh not making solix angry um but by typing he is making solix angry from the future and creating a loop uh, that kicks his ass in both the past and the future. Double whammy. Solix has a get it out, get it out, get it out, get it out page, uh, referring to the voices in his head. Uh, and then we find uh, Solix flies off to his planet, which we find out is the land of brains and fire. And we find out Solix's title is the Mage of Doom. I'm not going to say the number of how many troll class specs we have yet, because I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I've not been keeping track. Um, there's, there's 12 of those motherfuckers. Also, I don't yeah. blame you. in the author commentary, um, he's like, yeah, Solix has the worst land. Like, this is just ass. Yeah. It's indicative of how his mind is. Dave has an inhospitable lava wasteland, but at least there are cool industrial gear-based ruins and skeletal steel buildings to explore. Sox just gets a bunch of gross brains harassing him. Just another shitty break for a guy stuck in a hard luck arc. Uh, and then we cut to Vriska and Tavros. They they found a whole bunch of boon bucks, which uh, Vriska is very thrilled to have found, even though everyone has recognized boon bucks at this point are um, completely useless. Yeah. But it looks, um, you know... Like, considering our last view of Tavros and Riska, like, they're yeah. having fun. Like, something has happened and things are doing okay right now. Don't know what, but, you know. They've moved on to treasure hunting, so. Yeah. They're both in normal clothes, seemingly having fun, so. Yeah. And then we go back into a Spurb console where a mysterious figure is like, mm, Friska's not doing shit. Uh, let's try someone less stubborn, someone craftier. And we switch to Terezi. Uh, uh, here's where we find yeah. out, actually, Terezi is the uh, seer of mind. We didn't get that before even though we saw her in the game. So Terezi's the seer of mind. Her planet's the land of thought and flow. You don't need to remember these troll planets. The the one thing on this panel that you do need to recognize, uh, since we've decided that this is a spoiler that we're just going to be pointing out, is the, um, mm -hmm. the signs in the sky of her planet that are meant to evoke synapses or neurons. Um, oh, thought and flow. That's are the symbol of the uh the mind which saying it out loud a little bit on the nose maybe cool. but uh and then uh we find out that the person commanding terezi is in fact a queen because they are speaking to her in the fancy text which we saw the white queen commanding rose with i wonder who could be commanding terezi uh, this is also where we uh, learn what Terezi's fact modus is. It's scratch and sniff, because of course it is. She's the scratch she, and sniff. She's the troll who smells things, and she has a coin. It's good characterization. That's it. It's good. I love Terezi. Terezi um, takes a very good approach and uh, talks 
back to her exile because she knows the exile can see her. So she talks to, it's not a spoiler to say snowman, uh, by writing out on the chalk, like questions to, and they are able to actually like have a conversation, which no kid in exile have been able to have before. We end the section where the black queen snowman, I guess it is a spoiler in this section. Oh, well, it's Snowman. We haven't seen the White Queen of the Trolls session, and we will continue to not see the White Queen of the Trolls session. Um, but Terezi is told that they have to exile Jack Noir. Bubba. Because remember, Operation Regisurp, where they exiled the Black Queen, has been successful. So mm-hmm. now this is the Black Queen, Snowman, getting her revenge on Spade Slick by getting them to do the same thing. And that's where we end the section. The time loops are closing. We are we are getting close to the end of Hivebent. It's time to start wrapping things up. So close. Next time we do that. I talked about splitting Yay! this next section into two. And then I was like, oh, but what if we hit a page on a specific date later this year? What if? Uh, and so I haven't done the math to figure out if we can yet, but there's a major Homestuck page that is turning 10 years old this year, 2022, when we record. And I would love to put out that episode on uh, that specific date. If you're listening to this and you know Homestuck, guarantee you know what it is. But I mean, we've talked about... Yeah, you've already said it in the group chat that we're in, so I don't know why you're not saying it. (laughs) Oh, for listeners to preserve suspense. We've already talked about the significant dates in Homestuck, oh. but we have. Uh, yeah, they they accumulate on themselves because anniversaries are recognized, and then become anniversaries of the new things. Sure do. What are the pages for next time? You you, you read through the end of High Bent for next time. If you hit John again, you've gone too far. I mean. Um... Technically speaking, it's pages 25, 32 through 26, 25. Next time we get, you thought Homestuck's time travel was confusing. What if you could time travel in a group chat? Uh, (laughs) Next time we get the uh, Team Adora Bloodthirsty chat board. We get the only Flash animation in Hivebent. And we find out, what's this game for? What's the, what's the purpose of the oh. game? You can't save your planet. Oh, so damn. like what's the whole point? Okay. And why doesn't the earth exist? I look yet? forward to maybe getting half of an answer. <laughs> no, you will get the full answer. It is very explicit and it is where this act ends. All right. All right. Yeah. I will get an explicit answer that will then raise a thousand more questions. Yes. <laughs> That's how Homestuck works. Uh yeah, all right. Uh <laughs> You can find us on social media. We're on Tumblr at Serious Business Pod. We're on Twitter at Serious Bus Pod. You can find Ari on TikTok at Ghost in the Bathroom. Uh, leave a comment, Catboy approved, to let us know you came from here. Um, Francophiles continues to be a thing. Uh, episode two is up now and very good. Episode one's up. Yes, the second episode, episode one. We did it on this show, too. I've set a bad precedent. There's the prologue, and then there's the first episode. So chapter one is out now. I need to give a shout-out to Rice Milk, who commented Catboy approved on this video. It was very good. It made me very happy. I appreciated it so much. I love that. I love that Rice Milk, we should say, is the same user uh, who left us that lovely review all those episodes ago. That lovely review? Aw, Rice Milk. Rice Milk kicks ass. We did also, there was one point where I, it wasn't like we weren't tweeted at, but someone, uh, someone made a, made a post that was like, oh, Doc Scratch's White Texas, an example of ergodic literature. Yes. Uh, And I did appreciate that. And I did see that one. I saw that. And I did send that one to Bastion. Yeah. Very nice. Anyway, we have people who listen to us. It's wild. That's weird. I, yeah. mm, I love why, it. though? I love you. I Thank know, you, right? listener. Sometimes we do have good things to say, though. I'm not sure about this episode. <laughs> I wish I could have said more things, but the, my technology is confused. Oh, that's right. I'm the person who ends this. You are the person that ends this, yeah. <laughs> Put us out of our misery, Bastion. Listener, hit next.